What's the only thing we have in common with Kim Kardashian? Find out next on Junk Feud. Aw, yeah! Welcome to Junk Feud, the podcast about junk food, where we rate and review mystery treats to determine which one will be the undisputed champion of snacks. I'm your host, Mike. Alongside me, as always, Alyssa. Hi, Dad. Hey, Liz. So, who were the greenest presidents? <laughs> <laughs> who were the greenest presidents? Yeah. Well, I have no idea what that means, so I'll just say, I don't know, Liz. The Bushes. Oh, God. <laughs> that is so dumb. And then I have one more, I... but it's not going to Well, get... how could you ever top the greenest presidents, <laughs> the Bushes? This one's not going to be better, but it's kind of <laughs> funny. Okay, go ahead. Okay. What do you call a Frenchman wearing sandals? A Frenchman wearing sandals? Yes. I have no idea. Philippe Flop. Philippe. <laughs> Philippe Flop. Philippe Flop. Philippe Flop. Oh my goodness. That's a, that's insensitive uh, and offensive. And that was a dad joke, a joke you tell to your dad. If you'd like to submit a dad joke for Alyssa to tell me on the show, you can send it into us via Twitter or threads at JunkFeudPod or via email to JunkFeudPod at gmail.com. Liz. Yes. Welcome back once again to the World's Yeetest Podcast. Hitting them with the Riz each and every week. Heck, we had a blast on road trip month, kiddo. Yeah, we did. Yeah, it was awesome. We actually took road trips and, uh, you know, just like the end of any good road trip, Alyssa, we have reached our final destination. And that destination, Alyssa, just like most of the best road trips, is a theme park. Yes. Yeah, specifically our favorite theme parks, Alyssa, because it's theme park month on junk feud that's right that's right we're rolling right from one themed month into another one Alyssa. yeah oh uh, we have said on the past that this show has many influences professional wrestling of course uh the doughboys podcast if it was wholesome chef john from foodwishes.com on youtube claire saffitz of course the internet's girlfriend uh, a whole host of others obviously but one of our favorite podcasts one that you and i actually listen to together occasionally when they're not being body. The Phillies? No, that's <laughs> the Phillies is not a podcast. Oh. That's a baseball team, by the way. Your favorite well, baseball yeah, team. Yeah, but we listen to them on a podcast. Well, oh my goodness. No, because you don't know what the radio is. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we listen to yes, we listen to the Philadelphia Phillies on live terrestrial radio sometimes when we're in the when we're in the car. Podcasts Alyssa pre recorded. Oh. This is like when you were a kid and you had never seen a commercial before because you had only ever watched things on like YouTube or Netflix. And then we were watching TV one night and you were very, very angry that there was a commercial on TV and we couldn't fast forward Wait, when? When you were very small, we were either watching a baseball or football game and or maybe was, wrestling. And when I was scared of bread. You were, <laughs> you were also scared of bread. Terrified. Which is, uh, that's a story for another show, I think, Liz. Yeah. Anyway, like we were saying, one of our favorite podcasts is called Podcast the Ride, Alyssa. You remember Podcast the Ride, a podcast about theme parks hosted by three occasionally childless men in their 30s? Yeah. Yeah. One of the hosts, a guy named Jason Sheridan. Uh, Jason, the, the resident snack monster, treat boy on Podcast the Ride. And Liz, he's also from the Delaware Valley. Oh like my down gosh. by Philadelphia. That's right. He, you can tell because of the accent. But also, does he say John? He does say John occasionally, which is always good for a laugh. John. Uh, and he's okay, also, yeah, he's also good for some uh, snack related digressions and Johns. 
And he's got a lot of fond memories about many of the places list that we've alluded to on this show, like different eateries at the Ocean City Boardwalk. So it's uh, it's a bit of a milestone, I think, for us to get the theme park month, thinking about all the amusement park and carnival adjacent treats that we love. Mm-hmm. Are you excited for theme park month? Yes. I kind of am because there's some, I mean, there's some really good stuff and we have front loaded this. There's going to be some really great treats this next month. But Liz. What? Speaking of milestones. This is our 50th episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Happy 50th episode anniversary to us. Mm-hmm. week anniversary. Is there a such thing as a week anniversary? 50 weeks? I don't think so. I don't think so either. But that does mean it's almost been a year since we started Junk Feudless. Really? Yeah. And it means we've tried more than 50 different fantastic snacks on this program. Liz, uh, what have been some of your favorite moments so far through 50 episodes of Junk Feud? Uh, you start. I need to think of something. Okay. Well, episode one in particular stands out for me, uh, especially because we had to record it twice to get it right. Remember the first time we did a oh practice episode with Gene live here in studio? That was so annoying. <laughs> it literally, like, it took forever because we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, it actually turned out for the best, though. It was good to practice before we before we actually gave it our best shot and did it live in one take. But, Liz, I think based on that, we came out of the gate pretty fully formed. I mean, like, Aside from my very bad audio editing, uh, <laughs> someone, we didn't. Someone was offering to do it for us for free. Yeah, well, one episode for free, and then they wanted us to sign a contract, which uh, uh, I do this on my own in my spare time, also for free. So that's gonna it's gonna be a hard sell to do that, especially since uh, we operate on a negative income for this podcast. <laughs> it costs us money to do the show because we have to buy so much junk food. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also like, Alyssa, the trial and error that we had making our butterbeer recipe. That was fun. Yeah. If you guys have any snacks you'd like to send us. Yeah, that's true. We're we're not giving giving an address, but... You know what? I think, Liz, as the show show grows in popularity, we may have to do what some other shows this size do. And uh, we're going to have to get like a P.O. box that people can send stuff to. And then we just go every now and then and pick it up. In the summer, I guess we would have to do it more in case there's anything melty in there. Speaking of Melty, one of probably my favorite episode of the entire first 50 episodes uh, so far, the ranch ice cream affair where you you cried because you didn't like the Hidden Valley Ranch ice cream from Van Leeuwen. That was the worst forever. You were in actual, I couldn't believe it, you were in actual tears because of ice cream. Usually kids cry because they can't have ice cream. It's still sitting in our freezer. Yeah, I am going to get rid of that. It's Um, been in there for like months. I'm going to cry because you want to know why? Uh Uh-huh. We ran out of waffle fries. We ran out of waffle fries. Yeah, you ate an entire bowl of waffle fries yesterday. List. Speaking of moments that made me cry, I still. It was episode two, and I'm still not over this. You voted out Cool Ranch Doritos. I will never live that down, and I will never let you live that down, Liz. I don't really care for that. But yeah. Whatever. Well, I know it was a it was a bad decision on your part, and every now and then people make mistakes. Oh my gosh! Don't List. even. <laughs> Like, don't do it. You know what I did, Alyssa? What? Uh, as we come into our 50th, 50th episode, I took a look at some of our favorite programming that also made it to 50 episodes. I wanted to run down some highlights very quickly. Alyssa, uh, on the 50th episode of Doughboys podcast, they reviewed Hillstone with Brooklyn Nine-Nine writer David Phillips. Hillstone is a restaurant group. Cool. I've never been there. I have no Wait, idea. Dad, you know what we should talk about? Uh, what's that, bud? What, what we did today and what we found in the mall. Like, you know, the people. Oh, okay. Well, impromptu digression. Go ahead, Alyssa. Tell me what you tell me what <laughs> you did today. Okay. No, I'm talking about like all the people in those amazingly clothes. Yeah, well, you can actually say it into the microphone. 
Okay, so today we went to the mall, and as we are recording this, we're still in July. But, so the Barbie movie has just recently came out. Uh-huh. And they're selling out every showtime. The Barbie movie, incredibly popular. Yes. So we were walking into the mall, and there's a movie theater in our mall. And we found every single person in there wearing pink, like head to toe pink, pink purses, pink shoes, Barbie jackets. It is quite amazing to see this. Like It's funny. Yeah, it's been a while since there has been a, a monocultural zeitgeisty movie in movie theaters like the Barbie movie. What was the other one? I mean, I can't remember the last time people were selling out shows week to week over and over and over again dressing thematically it was so funny we yeah saw like a grand i saw a grandma the other day in like a pink bodysuit and she had a barbie purse and a barbie headband yeah, and that's, a barbie jacket it's really it is quite a thing to be like alive and watching this unfold in real time especially since uh movie writers and actors are on strike right now and when we go see it, Dad, you're going to wear your pink pants. I will. I do have a pair of pink chinos that I think I will probably wear to the Barbie movie. <laughs> if we ever can get tickets to it, Liz. I mean, we could have get we could have gotten tickets tonight. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's still a little bit early. We might there might be a few seats left in uh, maybe the front row of our movie theater, Liz. The we second be, row is open. Yeah, that wouldn't be too bad. We uh, we sat second row last night when we went to the movies. As it was a matter actually kind of kinda good. Like it our, wasn't bad at all. Our seats are they're fairly spread out. Yeah, we were lucky to have a very nice, very comfortable movie theater very close to our house, which is yeah. actually affordable. It's where we get our movie theater popcorn, which is a former reigning, defending, undisputed world champion of snacks. <laughs> I think their popcorn is pretty good. It is real good. Yeah. Shout out to Sinapolis, which makes good popcorn. Uh, and their uh, Coke. Yeah. Coke Ices, of <laughs> course, which will be coming soon to a Junk Feud episode near you. I think next year we have near Coke. You. We've got Ices and Slurpees and, well, that's a little bit spoilery. You know what, Alyssa? That's going to be for like 50 episodes down the road. You know what we'll have to do? We'll What's have to that? do it on 7-Eleven. Oh, yeah. 7-Eleven day. I'm not sure if that falls on a release day for us, a Thursday next year. We'll have to double check the calendar to make sure. Yeah. Liz, uh, speaking of double checking the calendar, we were talking about our 50th episode. Just a couple of years ago, Alyssa, Walt Disney World celebrated its 50th anniversary. Really? Yeah. And guess what? What? That's not a 50th episode in any way, shape, or form, but it does have the number 50 in it. So, oh, you're looking at the it calendar. It falls exactly. And you're telling me that 7-11, July 11th next year, exactly. is a Thursday, which is when these shows release. So I guess I'm going to have to double check the schedule. And that should, well, you know what, Alyssa, July is road trip month. So next year, I mean, a <laughs> Slurpee is a great road trip snack, don't you think? It just melts really fast, especially yeah. in July. Well, I mean, maybe you're maybe you're road tripping through a more temperate zone. Or maybe Alaska. Like Could Dean be Alaska. Did. Yeah. Shout out to friend of the show, Dean, who was just back from Alaska. And Alyssa, hmm. none of that has anything to do with what we're talking about today. Oh, so I yeah. will just- <laughs> Segment switcher up. Bulldoze into this segue and say, that reminds me of this week's snack. Up next on Junk Feud, it's- Deep fried Oreos. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Liz, I'm so excited to do this for the 50th episode of this show because it's- more or less the namesake for two segments that we do on this show. Uh, the Oreo Rule and Will It Deep Fry both birthed because of Oreos and specifically deep fried Oreos. Liz, what is a deep fried Oreo? Um, it is an Oreo dipped in fried batter. Yeah, it's an Oreo cookie. 
coated oh, in batter. That's it. Good dunked night. Dunked in. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Oreo cookie coated in batter, dunked in hot oil, dusted with powdered sugar and occasionally chocolate sauce. The cookie inside gets like soft and cakey. The cream filling gets slightly melty. Oh, so the whole thing sugar. yeah, melds together into a big soft mass that's balanced a little bit by the hardiness of the fried dough and the intense sweetness of the powdered sugar. And then powdered. if there's powdered. Sorry, did I sound like I was from New York right there? Powdered said, sugar. You said powdered sugar. Powdered sugar. <laughs> Come to my place on Long Island, have some powdered sugar. We'll put some in our coffee. Let's do you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're too young to know this, but there was a segment on Saturday Night Live called Coffee Talk that Mike Myers hosted. Mike Myers? And he got a little verklempt. Yeah. Did he kill anyone? No, not Michael Myers. Mike Myers, the Canadian oh. <laughs> comedian. Not the uh, mass murderer who is not a real person. <laughs> Very good. Liz, do you know anything about the history of fried Oreos? No. Well, like most other things on this show that we talk about, there's a bit of a... Uh, contentious history around the invention of fried Oreos. There's a few different claimants uh, to the title of inventor of the fried Oreo. There's a guy from New Jersey. His name's Jim Crone. He claims that he invented the fried Oreo in the 1990s. I could not find much evidence of this. There is also a radio DJ from Iowa. His name is Terrence Newsel. He says that he and his brother invented the fried Oreo as part of their radio show in Iowa in 1995. They said they liked frying things on their radio program because dropping stuff into the fryer made a really good sizzling sound on the radio. Uh, I don't know about that, but I'll take their word for it. So they would fry foods on the show and they promised on that segment that the best fried foods they tried all year, they would sell at the Johnson County Fair later that year. And uh, according to them, I didn't listen to any of these segments on their program or their show at all. They said the Oreo was the best thing they fried that year. And at the Johnson County Fair, the line for fried Oreos was the longest line. List, there's also a guy from Florida named George Bernard. He owned a restaurant down there, claimed to have sold fried Oreos both at his restaurant and at local fairs in the mid-1990s. So we've got a few people here that all are making various claims, some with evidence, others without. Uh, that at some point in the 1990s, they were deep frying Oreos. What do you think about that? Crazy. Crazy, yeah. So here's the crazier thing, because it's not until a few years later in 2002 that most people say the fried Oreo was actually invented. So, I mean, even like a full decade earlier, there are people claiming to have fried Oreos as treats, but the origin story story <laughs> The original I got story. Oreo, I got Oreos on the brain. The origin story for the fried Oreo. Oreo on the brain. Is that a Taylor Swift, John? Uh, you just insulted an entire stand of Rihanna fans. Or Rihanna, sorry. An entire stand of Rihanna fans? Stan of oh. Rihanna. I did not know that Stan was a collective. Dad, love on the brain. Well, I got Oreos on the brain right now, Liz. Here's the story that most people online go with. It's 2002. There's a guy named Charlie Bogosian. And Charlie has lived a fascinating life honestly he's called chicken charlie the man who fries everything that's his nickname uh bogosian born to armenian parents in syria comes to the u.s when he's 11 years old three years later at 14 he gets his first food service job he's roasting corn Alyssa. to corn corn it's corn it's cone he's roasting A corn big lump of yeah well he's selling the big lump with knobs at the san diego county fair uh and there he says he fell in love with the carnival atmosphere so 1996, he and his partner buy their first frying wagon for chicken, 
And that's where he earns himself the nickname Chicken Charlie. But it turns out right after that, he found out that he had an affinity for frying all sorts of different foods. He was working at a fair in Miami one year, and he saw a list that there was a vendor who was selling deep fried Twinkies. Have you ever Ooh. had a deep fried Twinkie? No, I have not. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So Bogosian said he was really excited about that. But when he tried one, they were coated in this really thick, wet batter that overwhelmed the uh, somewhat gentle taste of the Twinkie cream. Is that, Alyssa, the first time that Twinkie cream has been called gentle? No. <laughs> Perhaps. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Charlie came up with a system where he would coat the Twinkie in a very light egg wash and then a sweet flour mixture and then fry them that way. So it was a much more delicate preparation. That's how I made my hot Cheeto cheese sticks. That's right. You did. You made hot Cheeto cheese sticks with an egg wash and some light flour. Not a sweet flour mixture, but a light flour mixture. Uh, Liz, in 2001, Chicken Charlie says he sold 10,000 fried Twinkies at the LA County Fair. So the next year, he said he tried to find a way to sort of top himself to come up with a one-up. And in 2002, after a year of experimenting at home with different recipes, he debuted the deep-fried Oreo, at least according to his telling of the story. And Liz, uh, since then, he has deep-fried lots of different things, some that we've tried on this show and uh, plenty more, of course, that we haven't. Chicken Charlie makes deep-fried avocados, Ooh. deep-fried Coca-Cola. What? Yeah, that's what I said. Deep-fried s'mores. <gasps> yeah, that sounds really fantastic. Ooh. List deep fried watermelon, which he says is delightful. Delightful. That's uh, a strong word. Yeah, well, deep fried spam, deep fried pop tarts, deep fried white castle burgers, list. <laughs> yeah, gross. Deep fried frog legs. Uh, real quickly, Alyssa, which would you rather have? A deep fried white castle or a deep fried frog leg? They're equivalent. <laughs> That's just a no to both of those? Yes. Uh, Liz, Chicken Charlie also makes a thing. Uh, called a zucchini weenie, which is a hollowed out zucchini stuffed with a hot dog and deep fried. The zucchini weenie. Wow. Hey, speaking of theme parks, Liz, if you go to uh, some of the Disney parks, you can get a pickle corn dog. Have you ever seen this? No. It's like a big deli style dill pickle. The middle is hollowed out and a hot dog is stuffed inside and then it's dunked in uh, corn cornmeal batter and deep fried to make a corn dog around a pickle. That sounds gross. I think it sounds delightful. Just like that deep fried watermelon. Ew. Liz, what else was going on in 2002 when Chicken Charlie was deep frying his first Oreos? Uh, the euro currency was introduced. Yeah, the euro still going strong. Try the, to read. Try to read this one. The Slobodan. Slobodan Milosevic went on trial at the something. The Hague. Yeah, he was a war criminal. Slobodan Milosevic. Slobodan Milosevic. Slobodan Milosevic. I can't. Try it again. Slobodan Milosevic. Slobodan Milosevic. You were close. Uh, Brazil won the World Cup. Switzerland finally joined the United Nations. The Department of Homeland Security, Alyssa, established in 2002. I thought that said Home Depot. The Department of Home Depot. Yeah. <gasps> President George W. Bush choked on a pretzel and fainted. Yeah, snack-related moment there, Alyssa, <laughs> with President Bush choking on a pretzel. That was a weird, that was a weird year. He's a green president. That's right, the greenest. Uh, Attack of the Clones, Alyssa released in theaters. Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Many people would say, uh, until the most recent outings, the worst of the Star Wars movies. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't know. Great. Compelling radio here, Alyssa. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 2002, there was something called Jacob Sartorius who That's was born. It's a kid. It's a person? Yes. Okay. And Did uh, you say something? Well, I don't know what a Jacob it's Sartorius a is. It's a name? Jacob? Of a real human? Yes. What does it do? <laughs> it sings. 
It sings. Jacob, shout out to Jacob Sartorius. I don't know who you are. I'm sure you're lovely. Uh, and uh, Chief Wahoo McDaniel died. Lists professional cool. wrestler Wahoo McDaniel. Alyssa, this one. This one. This one. That looks like that's not a real person. That looks like a, yes, it uh, is. Look, an AI generated. Dad, that's a person. I don't know about that. Yes, it is. Well, you say. <laughs> anyway. Wait, I wonder what song. Yeah, see, he's like he's like um Maddie B. He's like Maddie B. Also created in a laboratory. It's like the build a it's like the build a boyfriend show. Build, build a boy build a boyfriend. <laughs> Liz. Yeah. Uh it's theme park month. We're gonna talk about theme parks and snacks. We're talking about fried Oreos. I wanna talk really quickly about the association of fried Oreos with not necessarily theme parks in general, but carnivals overall, Alyssa. You are likely to find a stand with fried Oreos at a carnival. Wow. Yeah. Liz, for five thousand bucks. On concessionequipmentdepot.com, you can buy a funnel cake and deep fried Oreo startup kit. Wow. Yeah. And it's got a, uh, it's got like a full frying station complete with a sneeze guard, Liz. Like, you ever, you like ever a, seen a sneeze guard? Like in a chew? Yeah. Sneeze guard. Oh. And uh, you get a pack of 1,000 paper plates with it. That'll make a lot of Oreos, Liz. Yeah. Do you know why we associate fried food with carnivals, Alyssa? Because the ancient Egyptians invented deep frying sometime in the 5th millennium BC. Yeah. <laughs> and the world has been a more delicious place ever since. Why are you talking like that? Because it's my deep, mysterious voice. This is your mysterious ancient Egyptian <laughs> voice? Yeah. The curse of Tutankhamun and the deep fried Oreo. <laughs> has nothing to do with that. That reminds me of the regular song for some reason. Speaking of... Of ancient Egyptians deep frying things reminds <laughs> yeah. you of Nate Dog and Warren G. <laughs> N A T E and Warren. G. I would love to be in your brain for like five minutes. It must be a fascinating place. Liz, uh, it contains this just randomness. Here's the big deal, Alyssa. Carnivals and fairs have lots of people. You have to feed lots of people. You don't really have a lot of space to do it. So you have to feed a lot of people and cook in a small place. And you needed techniques like frying, like deep frying, because you can't cook over big open flames. They're impractical. Grills and griddles can't turn out enough product in the small space that you have available in your carts. And uh, also deep frying a quicker method of cooking snacks. So like, listen. What? If you have a little bit of space and a little bit of time and you need to feed a lot of people, you deep fry stuff. And uh, in many cases, events like carnivals are set up quickly and then they're operated and then they're torn down quickly. And uh, either the fairgrounds returns to other uses or the carnival moves on to the next town. So speed and space are at a premium and you start deep frying stuff. And then Alyssa, you end up with like uh, the influence of state and county fairs on culinary developments around the world. List, do you know about state and county fairs as they relate to the traveling carnival in the United States? I mean, there's a carnival near us. Yeah, there is a carnival near us, and we get deep fried Oreos there. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. List the the fair itself, like a fair on a fairground, originated in the United States in Massachusetts, probably like 1811. This was the first ever cattle show list. Ew, the Celtics. <laughs> That's what you got out of that? Ooh, the Celtics. Yes. The first ever fair, the first ever cattle show, the place where farmers would come together to compare farming techniques. You know, I just realized. What's that, bud? <laughs> Massachusetts on like on like um a US map. Uh-huh. It looks like an elephant with tusks. It does look like an elephant with tusks and a square butt. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm done. Thank with you. my um Liz, all <laughs> all these farmers at the cattle shows, they had to eat something. 
and here's an interesting thing that happened. The competition to like have the best cattle and the best swine also gave way to a sort of competitiveness with the food vendors. Isn't swine pigs? Yes, that's correct. Very good. Okay. Absolutely it is. Listen, less than 200 years later, the 1980s come around. We start to see an expansion of the types of things that you could conceivably fry and eat at carnivals. Originally, there were things like French fries and uh, corn dogs. Corn dogs we talked about just a moment ago. They came around in the 1940s. And of course, funnel cakes, Alyssa. But uh, once the Texas State Fair started offering its big Tex prize for the most creative Alyssa fried food in 2005, the inaugural winner that year, Alyssa, bit of history here, deep fried peanut butter and banana sandwich because the competition was Elvis Presley themed. Oh my God. Yeah, anyway. They things... should do a Julian themed peanut butter pickle. Julian like your cousin? Yes. Shout out to Julian. Uh, do, oh, they should do the peanut butter and jelly hot dog. Deep fried peanut butter and jelly hot dog? Yes. That would be a disaster. Disgrace. And I would love to try that actually. That sounds amazing. We should do it. Anyway, let's First 2000... invent it. Oh my God, let me say this. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say, don't say that. It could offend people. You're right. I'm sorry. Irma Gersh, let me say this. <laughs> 2005 list, things start taking off and we started seeing the kind of stuff that Chicken Charlie was notable for. Things like deep fried Kool-Aid and deep fried butter, Alyssa. Fried butter. I love fried butter. You've never had fried butter. I'm excited to try it. <laughs> oh, well, it's not. I can tell you right now, spoiler alert, deep fried butter, not a part of this theme park month. If someone is brave enough and wants us to try deep fried butter, let us know and we will do it next August, but I am not subjecting myself. I want to do it. I heard it tastes like um, a French uh, toast. Well, I mean, French toast kind of. Anything that's fried in butter tastes like fried butter, doesn't it, right? Why? Well, I heard it's really good. Well, Like, you know, Roderick from The Wimpy Kid? He yeah. loves fried what? butter. Roderick from The Wimpy Kid loves fried butter. What a sentence to say out loud. Liz, do you know what a carnival is? I, yeah. I think like we're putting the cart before the horse here. I've been there before. Yeah, but like, do you know the origins of the carnival? Yeah, I think. You do? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a kind of a historical thing in the United States. I mean, nowadays, Liz, you can get a deep fried Oreo pretty easily, like uh, just like you can pick up plutonium at any corner store in the future, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, usually it's the kind of thing that you find at a carnival. And like you said, we have a local carnival here. Almost every small town in America. We have Alyssa, every Friday in the summer. Well, yeah, that's a bit that's a bit different. That's more like a fair than a carnival, I think I would say. Oh. Right. Because carnivals, um, they sort of have a few things in common, like a traveling carnival. And uh, you know, there's one you were alluding to this earlier. There's one here every year in Chester, New Jersey. There's a 4-H competition. Oh, that's what I was just about to say. Yeah, rides, games, fireworks. Those are the kinds of things that I associate with a carnival, right? I mean, the the Chester Carnival we went to. Yeah. I'm just going to say it now. One of the rides broke. Uh-huh. And people were on it. Uh-huh. And the Ferris wheel looked like it was about to collapse. Yeah, so Alyssa, we should talk about that. And we're going to get to it in a moment. But there is a perception that Carnivals are sort of dark and dangerous places. They are. Who Those are run clowns by, are creepy. Yeah, creepy transients that uh, don't necessarily have the safety of the patrons in mind. And um, it's an interesting lifestyle that we're going to talk about in just a moment. Liz, the way to get there was through... The, the roots of those same agricultural fairs that we were talking about earlier, like the original cattle fairs in uh, Massachusetts in the 1800s. Liz, the carnival as we know it today, 
the one that birthed the current fried food movement, more or less, with rides and attractions that moves from town to town. That originated in the 1890s with the Chicago World's Fair, Alyssa, the Columbian mm-hmm. Exposition. And it had quite a bit in common with traveling circuses. Alyssa, we just went to a circus. Yeah. What would you think about the circus? It was strange. Circuses are strange. I agree. The juggler was really cool. The juggler was great. She was fantastic. She was the world's fastest female juggler, which is a lot of qualifications there, but still a a sight to behold, I would say. I wonder if she's on here. I bet you could find her. Liz, like I was saying, uh, the World's Fair in Chicago in the 1890s, when it closes in October of that year, all the vendors and attraction operators had to find stuff to do, and a lot of them founded their own traveling companies, including... Uh, the Chicago Midway Amusement Company, for example. I found her. Yeah, there she is. The world's fastest woman bounce juggler. It That's amazing. It was so scary. She was so cool, though. Yeah, she was really cool. She had a bedazzled outfit on. I think that's uh, you'll find that in common with a lot of circus performers. Lots of glittery things. Yeah. You know what you'll find in common with carnivals, Liz? Clowns. Clowns, Crazy sure. People. What else? Rides. Rides, Shows, yeah. fireworks. Uh-huh, shows. Et cetera. Et cetera. ETC. Uh, <laughs> List those people that run that carnival, all those people that had built up uh, the traveling fair in the in the aftermath of the Columbian Exposition in Chicago in the 1890s, they're sort of looked down upon, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that is because of the uh, perception that the people that run those shows and games and attractions are kind of unsavory because they take advantage of their transients uh, to run scams or otherwise deceive patrons with things like fixed games of chance and skill. And freak shows, Alyssa. What? Have you ever heard the word geek? Like geek charming. Yeah. Do you know what a real carnival geek is? No. Uh, A carnival geek was sort of like a sideshow performer who would do disgusting things to trick people into giving them money, like biting the heads off of live chickens. My God. That's pretty awful. Uh, Liz, you can still see the influence of this today in some of the Midway games of Skill and Chance that look uh, look simple, for example, but they're like devastatingly rigged against players. That's sad. Yeah, those basketball. Oh my games god, I hate those. Try to take a shot, and the I ball is hyper inflated, and the rim is bent, and it's further and higher, and all that kind of thing. No, because they they one they make the ball too big. Uh huh. The rim is too small. Uh huh. It's tilted to a side. Uh huh. And sometimes they move. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes like they, they do move. They'll just move a little bit. But you know what happens when you drain that bucket, though? You win. Yeah, like a big Tweety Bird or something. Yeah. Something that no one would actually ever want, but there's like the allure of winning the game to get it. Yeah, but sometimes you win these like big bears and it's they're really cute. Yeah, but then you have to lug them around the whole night and you get like funnel cake powdered sugar all over them. That's why mom always has us do carnival games at the end. Very clever, your mother. But we only do like carnival games in Ocean City and I only won like a sloth that was like eight inches tall. It's a good sloth. It was like pink. It's a good pink sloth. Deformed. It's a good deformed pink sloth. Like this one right here is beautiful. You are showing me a stuffed sloth right now. This again, riveting radio. No one can see the I sloth. If I can hear it. Oh, well, I'm going to edit that out. Listen, uh, the people that run those games at the carnival, they have a nickname, don't they? They do? Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah, what is it? I don't know. I think you should say it. Well, it's in the notes <laughs> that you're looking at right now and not reading. They're called carnies, Alyssa. Carnies. Yeah, yeah, it's not a very endearing term. It's uh, somewhat derogatory, but. Um, they live a fascinating life, the, those people. They're on the road like nine to 10 months per year. They live in trailers. They work just about every day, usually until late at night, like 11 p.m. at night or so. Uh, Lissa, they even have their own language. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a Carney language. There are people that speak Carney or as they say, Kiazarni. Kiazarni. Yeah, it's sort of like pig Latin in its construction. If you've ever heard Snoop Dogg talk in that like Izzle language construction that he says, like for shizzle like that. Snoop on the stoop. Yeah. I want to snoop on the stoop. You are like so far afield right now. Well, we're talking about Snoop Dogg. Liz, uh, we're going to talk about professional wrestling for a moment because it's like the last bastion of Kizarni in the world. And in fact, it's rooted in the carnival traditions. Did you know that? That pro wrestling in the United States was born out of carnivals. How? Yeah. Well, there were these strongman shows and uh, these things called at comps or athletic competitions. And what would happen, Liz, is there would be like a traveling grappler. This was a guy who was called a shooter or a hooker because they would hook a submission move on people and they would travel around with the carnival. And when you would get to the town, the grappler would challenge people in the crowd and you'd have to pay money to try to beat the wrestler. And of course, the, the wrestlers knew tricks that they could do to always win these competitions. But you know, every now and then, you'd run into a town with like a big, strong dude who was very skilled and you couldn't run the risk of that guy beating you. So instead, they started to fix the competitions where there would be plants in the crowd that would go up there and wrestle a predetermined match. Does that sound familiar? Against the local... Uh, the the grappler would wrestle a predetermined match against the local guy in the crowd who was really a plant who was actually traveling with the carnival. And uh, once they started cooperating amongst themselves to make the fight look like it was was real when it actually wasn't, that was sort of the origins of professional wrestling. Wow. Liz, you go to the carnival in Chester every year. Do you have any uh, memories I or funny stories? Once. No, we've been there a few times. Yeah? Yeah, you went this year, but we've been there before. I don't remember it. The oh. only thing I remember... Uh, I, I, uh, went on the ride with Adelia and I passed out. You passed out? Yeah. Well, that, again, doesn't seem safe. Um, Liz, we were talking about that earlier. There have been people who have been killed on traveling carnival rides. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. It doesn't happen as often as people think. Um, but there's really not good data on this. The inspection regimes vary from state to state. And, uh, there are really good standardized data sets for, accident rates on fixed site attractions like you know a ride at disney world that doesn't move but there is nothing so good for those traveling attractions in carnivals so we really don't know how many people are getting hurt on these um the worst thing that ever happened to me on a carnival ride was i went on the gravitron and then i threw up afterwards Ew. twice what about you Liz? what are your favorite parts of the traveling carnival hmm. getting to go with chase and my friends and have fun yeah, it's just a great place for kids to run around and look at the lights and hear the sounds and go on rides and eat junk food. And watch people cry after getting off the scary rides. And watch people cry after getting off the scary Wait, rides. can I say how the ride broke? Sure, why not? So it was this really tall one and it just spins. It looks like, um, I don't even know. It looks like, it's like a hot dog. Yeah, it's so it's like a hot dog. And on each side, there's like these, you know, on a... <laughs> You're not doing a great a job. A Ferris here. wheel. They have little carts, right? Uh-huh. So it's like that, but it's split in half, and it's like a cage, and you're not belted. You just sit and hold on to a bar, mm -hmm. and there's that. And the carts spin in circles while the big thing is spinning in circles. So one of the parts, I guess, I don't know how to explain it. One of the parts like broke off, like there's a supporting back, and the front was the part that's spinning. So one of the part in the back like flew forward and it kept hitting the carts as they would go by. Very evocative description here, Alyssa. Yeah, I'm not good at this. You're painting a picture. 
Yeah. But would you say, Liz, that that ride breaking and the loud noise that it caused and the Carney scrambling to fix it while the ride was in motion was your favorite part of that night? Definitely. And you know what I would say is my favorite part of this show? Alyssa reads the ingredients. Alyssa reads the ingredients. Liz, we're talking about fried Oreos. What is in a fried Oreo? Oreos. Yeah. Funnel cake batter. Uh-huh. Chocolate syrup. Uh-huh. And powdered sugar. It's pretty simple. Powdered right? sugar. I mean, I guess we could have broken down every individual yeah, constituent we, we component of the Oreo, the flour and water and sugar that goes into the batter, the cocoa that's in the chocolate well, syrup. Is it powdered, powdered sugar, just powdered sugar? Yeah, that's right. So I, I think it's timeless to get to the rules of the game. Junk feud is a culinary clash to see which treat will be crowned the undisputed champion of snacks. It's a King of the Mountain style battle in which the reigning champ takes on a new challenger each week to see which snack reigns supreme. And Alyssa. Yes. The reigning defending undisputed champion of snacks is... Sunflower seeds. Sunflower seeds. Liz, I had a chance this week to go and visit with friends of the show, Owen and Ruby. And <laughs> uh, I found out, Liz, Owen and his mom not quite in agreement with us with Sunflower Seeds as the champ. How rude. <laughs> Disrespectful. You know what? I think they actually have a point, though, because as his dad pointed out, you have to trust the process. It is a holistic evaluation. We were talking about sunflower seeds and road trips and baseball and the entire experience. And there are a lot of things that are better tasting than sunflower seeds, but there are a few experiences that match up. And maybe we're going to see an experience that matches up today, Liz, with deep fried Oreos. But before I mean, we like, get to that. Personally, for us, it's just, it would be a winner because that's what we like, what course. goes with it. Yes. And, you know, all taste is subjective, right? Yeah. Except ours, which is absolute and objective, and we're always right. Can we, get a, can we give a shout out to Ruby? We can. You, you had a FaceTime call with Ruby, <laughs> and she is absolutely adorable. And I got to do this, an impromptu review for this show with friend of the show, Owen. In fact, we had a celebration cake for his dad. And Liz, this was a good cake. It was chocolate layer cake. It had icing on top and icing in the layers between, but it wasn't like a sickly sweet buttercream icing. This was like a very light, very airy, almost like a whipped cream icing on there. And what did Ruby say? And Ruby about? said, as soon as the photos were over, it's time for cake. And everyone laughed and she was right. And we had the cake. And Owen and I both said that chocolate cake for his dad, S tier. S tier. I don't even like cake. Yeah, it was good. It was good. But cake. buttercream cake is pretty good. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, big shout out to those guys. We had a great time with them. Liz, what? it's time to introduce our challenger. today. We are trying deep fried, deep fried Oreos. Oreos. We got them from a local shop here called CNL Subs. It's actually, Alyssa, a little bit easier now than it's been in the past to find deep fried Oreos. It used to be like you had to be at a theme park or an amusement park. I and, thought it was uh, like Cluck a Chicken or something. Well, CNL Subs uh, does sell Cluck You Chicken. Oh. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which I think was funnier in like the early 2000s when they came around. When I used to work at a, at a place down the shore. No, no, not hula hands. There was a cluck you chicken nearby. And this one guy named Joe used to go to cluck you every single day to get chicken. And one day he came back and he was literally in tears, a grown adult man with a military background. And I was like, Joe, what's wrong? And he's like, clucky burned down, man. Clucky burned down. And the cluck you chicken burned to the ground and was never rebuilt. Oh. RIP to a real one. But yeah, today we got deep fried Oreos from CNL subs, which sells cluck you chicken. Listen, there is no interference today. There are no run-ins. There are no additional challengers. This is it. It's a carnival-style lumberjack match, mano a mano, one-on-one. Mano y mano. Fried Oreos versus the champ sunflower seed, and that can only mean one thing. What? It's crunch time. Crunch time. 
We rate our snacks using a tier list from sprinkles to fund it. Sprinkles to fund it. So snacks can be graded A, B, C, D, or F with the very best treats earning the elusive S tier ranking. S. The following contest is scheduled for one serving. One serving. And it's for the undisputed championship of junk food lists. Yes. We have some fried Oreos with us here. They've been sitting for about two hours, but we went to the shop where we got the fried Oreos and we tried them hot and fresh and crispy right out of the fryer. And I tried a lemonade. And you had a pink lemonade. That's right. Can you tell me about these deep fried Oreos list? What were your first impressions when they came out of the fryer? They were hot. They were hot. These things were like molten. Absolutely. The batter on the outside was crispy and fried to a deep golden brown. Usually when you see fried Oreos at like a carnival, they're trying to churn out a bunch of these really quickly and they don't put a hard fry on the batter and you usually get like a mushy pancake on the outside. Not so with these. These were done absolutely well. Uh, What else was on them? Powdered sugar and tons of chocolate syrup. I'm yeah. not even joking, like tons. Yeah, like big pounds. big drifts of powdered sugar on the top and a lot of chocolate syrup, which is interesting because Charlie Bogosian, Chicken Charlie's original recipe for fried Oreos, had chocolate sauce, but usually, list we don't get them with chocolate sauce when we get them at a carnival or at a theme park. Mm-mm. They just come out with a little bit of powdered sugar dusted on top like it's a funnel cake. Yeah. So that was an interesting counterpoint to how we usually have them. And I think it matched up pretty well with the flavor profile of the fried Oreo, which lists, like we said earlier, becomes a little bit soft and cakey inside. Yeah. Yeah, that cookie absorbs a little bit of the moisture from the batter. The hot oil sort of melts the icing inside, which is mostly oil and sugar anyway. And it's more like eating a cookies and cream brownie on the inside than it is like a crispy, crunchy cookie, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, we don't have to rate the packaging here because there isn't any. They just came out in like a little paper boat. Uh, They looked... We're going to put a picture on Instagram. They looked not terribly appetizing. I mean, it's just brown brown stuff with more brown sludge and white powdered sugar on top. I have something interesting that he said. Let's hear it. So when we got them, he said that they usually do double stuff. Uh-huh. But they only had regular, regular Oreos. Yeah. I was, I was a bit uh, apprehensive about that as well because I would have liked, if we had the option, I would have liked to try both to compare between a double stuffed fried Oreo and a regular fried Oreo. I don't think it would matter that much, Liz, because I think the magic of the fried Oreo is that sort of transformation that takes place within the cookie itself and not necessarily the cream in the middle. Yeah. So I don't know that the double stuffed cream would make that much of a difference. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, personally, I like double stuffed more. Of course. In in almost every application, right? Yeah. Liz, they, they smelled like fried food. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't anything special about that. There's a bit of a sweetness from they the powdered like, sugar and the chocolate syrup, but they smell like the the Squid Game cookies if you make them, <laughs> like Dalgona. Yeah, they just smell like hot oil, like something sweet cooking. Uh, and tell me, Liz, how did they taste? What did you think? They were pretty good. They were pretty good, weren't they? Yeah. Like here's the thing about these, uh, and I think you, you can't would, have them all the time. Yeah, you would probably agree with me on this. Kim Kardashian once made fried Oreos on a late night show. Might have been Conan. I can't remember. And uh, she said that she liked fried Oreos, but they were a once a year kind of snack. Yes. Alyssa, I actually agree with Kim Kardashian on something. No, I agree with her too. Like I actually, okay, in the summer it's different because we go to the fair Uh and we get these like almost every time, but it's just different because like it's there. Like I wouldn't go out of my way to get them. Right. It's a special thing that you do at that special place. And that's kind of like the idea of theme park month, isn't it? Yeah. What are those special things that you can only get at special places? Yeah. So what did you think, kiddo? B plus. B plus for fried Oreos. Now, 
I agree. I say fried Oreos are a B plus snack. Liz, here's the interesting thing. A non-fried Oreo, just a plain straight up Oreo, I think we said was an A and a double yeah. stuff was an A plus. Yeah. So somehow deep frying an Oreo makes it a worse treat in our estimation, even though we like them, even though they're good. It's just more enjoyable to have them regular. It I is. I know. agree. There is something perfect about the simplicity of a chocolate wafer sandwich cookie that is the Oreo. And even though deep fried Oreos are fantastic, and I'm glad that Chicken Charlie or whoever invented them because it's a frankly a crazy thing to have in the world. Yeah, B plus. So what do you think, Liz? You're Let's winner hit the, instead. Yeah. I mean, we, we've we've blown right past the bliss point, Alyssa. You're winner and still champion. Sunflower, Sunflower seeds. seeds, reigning, defending, undisputed champion of snacks, rolling over from road trip month straight into theme park month. But Liz, Sunflower Seeds have an absolute gauntlet ahead of them. I took a peek at what we've got on the schedule and it's my crazy. goodness, they are going to have to come up with some like real super gymnastics here to stay on top. Dad, you know what I just realized? What's that? So part? remember when we did the jelly fruit episode? Yeah. Look at the... Oh, you're looking at the uh, the baseboard heater here in the Junk Feud headquarters <laughs> studio, and there is uh, jelly fruit sludge speckled all over the white <laughs> baseboard heater cover, which, well, ladies and gentlemen, we now know what Alyssa will be doing after the show, <laughs> which is cleaning up the mess that she made, like what, months, months ago? ago? Oh, good God, you're disgusting. Anyway, Liz, uh, it's... That time in the show where we talk about the Oreo rule, but Liz, I mean, it's an Oreo. <laughs> we already did an Oreo. We don't have a new one. It is weird that we made it this far with this silly rule in place, I think. Yeah. But Liz, uh, a quick recap of 50 episodes. What's been your favorite Oreo rule contestant so far? What? Which different types of Oreos that we did for the Oreo rule did you like the oh, best? Probably the, the Mario ones. <laughs> Those were really fun. They were just plain Oreos. I know, but they were fun. The game was fun. It is interesting to see like what just a little bit of marketing can do. Liz, I liked, of course, the Junk Feud custom Oreos. Oh, yeah. Those were fantastic. We Shout out to Jen and Amir. put that in the thing. I did buy a resin kit so that we can preserve one. We have to do that. Maybe next week. Could we do it today? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's not that late. Jeez, I don't know. I don't know if we'll have time. I kind of want to see the Barbie movie, though. The Snickerdoodle Oreos. Fantastic. S'moreos. You don't remember the Snickerdoodle ones? They had like little crystals of sugar in the cream. Those are really good. I like those a lot. And uh, of course, the S'moreos. Back oh, once again. yes. I think that those might be my favorite of all. Cotton candy was good too. Liz, oh, yeah. Also, we ask <laughs> redundantly this week an important question on each episode. Will it deep fry? Will it deep fry? Can you deep fry this week's snack? And Alyssa, this is the origin of the segment, the namesake of the segment in each episode. Can you deep fry a deep fried Oreo? Can you deep fry a deep fried Oreo? List that would be like Oreo inception. Can <laughs> it's you It's me, Oreo. Can you deep fry a deep fried Oreo? And uh this is like a thing that's impossible to actually search. I don't know if anyone has ever made a double fried Oreo. You no, you got to look up can you deep fry a deep fried Oreo? Like you know. Yeah, well, what do you think? It doesn't say anything about it. It doesn't. And Liz, I, I don't know. It's going to be hard to find. I don't know that anyone's ever done this. I think. We could be the first, Dad. We could. On a future episode of The Back of the Box, we'll do a segment, Hey Look Ma, We Made It, where we double deep fry Oreos and then feed them to your mom. What do you think? No, I, I, I want to do the um, deep fried hot dog thing. The zucchini weenie? No, the peanut butter... 
You want to deep fry a peanut butter and jelly hot dog. Yes. Like put a hot dog in a bun, put peanut butter and jelly on the hot dog, put it on a stick, dunk the whole thing in funnel cake batter and fry it. Yes. Well, I, but that's after we make butter on a stick. Listen, I'll tell you what, if you go to the LA County Fair and you track down Charlie Bogosian, uh, he has a, a, a fee structure in place where you can bring him whatever you want and he will deep fry it for the right price. He gotcha. wants deep fried a guy's shirt. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty gross. But he did it. I hope he replaced that batter after. Oh, he says he changes his oil every day. Hmm. How about that? Even after someone deep fries their shirt? Even after deep frying a shirt. Liz. What? It's time. Or? To check out the back of the box. A weekly segment where we play a little game. Alyssa, would you like to play a game? I have no choice. You have no choice. This week's segment is your favorite and by request of you. 80 Bites. Because I had something else planned, but we're going to do Around the World in 80 Bites. On Around the World in 80 Bites, we try snacks from across the globe. And Liz, today we're going to reach into the mystery box. It's Mystery Munch. You wanted to do this. This was your idea. Yes. I think just because you're hungry. I'm starving. All right, let's try it. Here's the mystery box of snacks. I want to. What do you say, kiddo? Ah, slam my head Mystery Munch. All right. I cannot do raspberry today. I'm sorry. You know, it's not really much of a mystery if you're digging through and picking it out. <laughs> well, I want to make sure you get something good. All right, we're trying two things. Two things. Actually. I'll take the box. Two. Okay. Well, it's a mystery to you because you don't know what I have. All right, let's see it. All right, first things first. I'm the realist. The See, I do it every time. Lion chocolate. Oh, a lion bar. We had a lion white caramel bar earlier. This is the standard lion chocolate bar. This is a very famous uh, European candy bar. No nuts? No nuts. This is Krispies and Crunchies. Okay. Uh, Liz. What? It's interesting because this is a Polish lion bar. And on the front, it's advertising on Amazon Prime Video <laughs> that Lord of the Rings show that they did. So I don't know how old this is, actually. Uh, anyway, yeah, Polish Lion Chocolate Bar. I need to open it. Go ahead, open it. Let's see if you can actually open this up without making a complete disaster. Nope, you ripped the side off instead of using the seam and the tab. Well, I don't know why you would do that. Okay. So it looks like the Nestle Lion Bar looks a lot like a if you crossed a baby Ruth with a hundred grand bar, it looks like it has. That's just on the outside. On the inside, it, it looks tastes like, like a Twix and a Snickers. Yeah, this is interesting because there's a wafer on the inside, and then around that wafer is caramel, and then there are like it's like a Kit Kat Twix. Yeah, it's like a Kit Kat Twix, and then there's like crunchies or are those peanuts around the outside? I can't no, tell. No, they're crunchies. They're just like little crunchies. Yeah. And in fact, an Amazon review says, think Kit Kat 100 grand, whatchamacallit, all wrapped in one, which if that's what this is, this might be my favorite candy bar because those are my like my favorite candy bars. Pretty good. It smells chocolatey. It's got European chocolate, which is better than American chocolate. Let's try it. The first bite is like weird. It's like undescribable. Yeah. Wow. So it is all of those things. The initial bite is I know this isn't the right word, but you'll understand. It's a cacophony of textures and flavors. There is the light, airy crispiness of the wafer in the middle, like the Kit Kat style wafer. It's really good. There's the chewiness of the caramel. Of the caramel around that, the crunchiness of the little rice crispy style crunchies, and then sort of the chocolate and robing everything and keeping it all together. This is a good candy bar. I'm glad that we split this because I won't be able to eat a whole one of these. This is a large bar 
good though. Very sweet. Very good. All right, I'm super excited for this next one. It looks so good. Okay, ready? Oh, I just wait. What's your rating for the Lion Chocolate Bar? Oh, uh, B plus. Okay, now. Mm, yeah, B plus. I would say so. So excited for this. What is this? A lot chocolate pie, or a lottie. I don't know how to say it. Yeah. It looks like a moon pie. This is a lottie with- choco pie, which I think Alyssa is just a moon pie. Yeah. Uh, it looks so good though. I don't know where this is from. It's in a language that I don't speak. Wait, what is oh, it? Oh, Pakistan. This is a Pakistani lottie choco pie. So uh, a snack from Pakistan. Interesting. Store in a cool, dry place. How about that? We already got it. It's from Pakistan. Oh, same thing. Whatever. Republic of Korea. Well, the you're looking at a Korean version. This oh. one says on it, manufactured in Lahore. It just looks like a wafer. It's, yeah, it looks good. It's good. It looks like a moon pie. I like moon pies. Wait, it looks like it has a... Oh, it has a cocoa nut. I can't read what it says, so we're going to quickly look up the ingredient before we eat something with almonds again, Father. <laughs> we didn't eat it. We caught ourselves before we uh, ate at the already. last moment. Yeah, so that's interesting. Like When you look it up on... Uh, when you look it up on Amazon, it says it's a product of Korea, but the one that we have is clearly not clearly not from there. Fascinating. All right, just milk and wheat and stuff, obviously, but okay, we're good. All right, it looks like a cookie. I'm, I can't has, tell if that's one or two. That's one. It's got chocolate-covered cookies on the outside. It feels like a moon pie. Uh, and you are making an interesting face. You seem to like this quite a bit. You know it's like the, uh, mm, if it had more marshmallow and the chocolate was crispier, it would be like those Malamars. Oh, I love Malamars. I forgot all about those. Okay, so this is a moon pie. Yeah. It is a slightly different size. It's a little bit smaller than a U.S. moon pie. The cookie cakey sort of, la- oh my God, you just stuffed the whole thing in your mouth. I took one tiny little bite of that and then you just bogarted it. Unbelievable. And as usual, you left crumbs all over the studio. My goodness, what a disaster this has been. What do you think about the Lottie Choco Pie? Um, uh, B. B, less than the, lower rating than the Lion Bar, despite the fact that you made a lovely face and then ate the whole thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, for sake of comparison, I'd rather just have a Moon Pie. I think the ratios are a little better in that. Yeah, good though. Yeah, nevertheless, very good. The copy here says, a great snack during studying, family gatherings, birthday parties, gifts, and picnics. Can you be a great stack during a gift? I think that's written a little bit improperly there. Anyway, Liz. Yeah. Uh, that was a good segment. I would say two very good snacks on the Mystery Munch segment on the back of the box for Around the World in 80 Bites. I would even go so far as to say two excellent snacks, Alyssa. It's good. Yeah. And this podcast should reach you in excellent condition, satisfaction guaranteed, or your money back. If you've got a question for us, you can write to the address on the label. That's junkfeudpod at gmail.com. Alyssa. No. Any f- final thoughts? Hey, I have one final thought list. It's theme park month, but right after theme park month is snack to school list. And you can join us at the end of theme park month for the end of season one, just before we head snack to school. We're going to have our junk feud season one, no cap recap, Alyssa. <laughs> what do you think about that? I love it. The best moments, all the champions from season one. You'll all love it. This podcast has contained your recommended daily allowance of fun. Fun. 
For more, go to Twitter, Instagram, threads, or wherever you choose to be social. Find us at Junk Feud Pod. You can watch fun-sized reviews on YouTube, buy our merch on TeePublic, and don't forget to catch all the action each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Until we see you again, for Alyssa, I'm Mike. Hasta lasagna. Don't get any on ya. Bye.